Pat, to some extent, doesn't really need much of an invitation to you guys. I know that when he was at um, uh, Western Michigan uh, University, he was involved in the campus house here, his house here, uh, as a student, and then as an intern, and I know that through some of that time, you were actually attending here, so it, it's, it's a Timothy coming home if you want to look at it in that respect. Um, he's been up in uh, Traverse City for the last nine years, uh, along with his wife and growing family, uh, and if you'll look over there, you'll see her bouncing the six-week-old edition that has just came, and um, also... Uh, Trevor Ellison, you may know Tyler, she is our, our secretary, they are here, they are involved in the campus house here at uh, Western Michigan. Tyler went up and, and helped as Pat was getting used to his new baby, and from what, uh, from what Pat was saying, Trevor, you did an awesome job. You, you've even set him up for more work when you left, so, so that's a good thing, that's a positive thing. Um, So welcome, Pat, as he comes up, and listen carefully to what the Lord has laid on his heart for us. Let's see. Can I, is this working? Huh? I didn't. There you go. And you should be on. All right, cool. Well, one way or another, you'll hear me. Uh... Well, I've been a Christian for 21 years, I realized, uh, uh, thereabouts, give or take a couple months. Um, and I, <laughs> I'd like to say it was different, but I don't know that I've actually changed as much as I'd like to, to think I have. Uh, you see, a couple years before I became a Christian, I went on a band trip in high school uh, to... Uh, Toronto went to this place called the CN Tower, and just like many places, it's one of those big towers that has a glass floor, right? And, uh, uh, and, and so all of us, you know, we're stupid high school students. No offense if there's high school students, but you are. Um, uh, and we're all being like, oh, we're going to get pictures we didn't have digital cameras then yet. Uh, we're going to get pictures of us like jumping up and down. We're going to get pictures of us like we didn't have the term selfie, but selfies of us look like we're falling. We're going to do all this kind of crazy stuff. We're talking a big, big game because we knew, right? We knew that hundreds of people, thousands, many millions of people had stood on that, that it was designed to hold people's weight and more. And, and so we get up to the top of the tower and we get up to, and, and, and here's what actually happens, right? Here's the glass floor. All of us are like on the edge, all the way circled around the glass floor. And we're like, <laughs> right? Because you look through the glass floor and it's glass. So you're, you're, first of all, it's glass. You know, you don't step on glass. That's a bad thing. Uh, and you look down, you see these ant-sized cars and these uh, dot-sized people <laughs> milling around down, down, down there. And you're not really sure. <laughs> uh, because seeing, it, it's one thing to know the glass would hold me up is a completely different thing to trust the glass enough to step on it, let alone anything else. 
You see, because trust, which is, is really the core of faith, is not standing on the edge knowing it's going to hold you up. It's not actually standing on the glass after it's holding up. It's the thing that gets you from the edge to the glass. Well, fast forward uh, to nine years ago. Uh, my wife and I are moving up to Traverse City to, to work at Northwestern Michigan College. Uh, we, uh, God had made it very clear we should be there, and, and, and I had a plan. It was a good plan. And, and had I uh, continued with that plan, if, if I had worked that plan as, to its full extent, we would have had a lucrative ministry. But it would have also led to the death of my faith, probably. Uh, if not, if, if nothing, or maybe not so much that far, but at least to my involvement in campus ministry as a minister. Because, see, as I moved ahead with the plan, and it seemed ministry was thriving, I mean, yes, there were disappointments, and there was ups and downs, as anything in life does. But it seemed like we were moving in a positive direction. But cracks began to appear. My energy was being depleted. My creativity dampened. An inch by painful inch, my love for and joy in ministry was being slowly eradicated. And I began to question, like probably any of us would, is, am I, uh, and at that point we, we probably understood that things weren't going so well in ministry either, just on the outside. Uh, and I began to question, am I still the right guy for the job? Is, is this still where God wants me? And I'm not, I'm not so sure anymore. Uh, and it was around this time, a number of things happened, COVID being one of them. And, and many of us were like, oh, no, now it's going to get worse, right? Actually, no. <laughs> COVID was a, 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 actually a great um, opportunity um, that God gave me uh, to pay attention, uh, to step back, uh, to give me space to wrestle through what was going on. And I learned a couple things that I would like to share with you this morning. That's right, I haven't even started the sermon yet. Uh, let's pray. Uh, dear God, this morning would you just help us to come to you in surrender? Put aside whatever else that we might want to accomplish, that we're doing, and just surrender. God, would you help us to hear what we need to hear? Uh, and put into practice uh, those things that will uh, kindle uh, our hearts towards you. Uh, thank you for doing all you do and for being all you are, uh, and including us. Uh, in your name I pray. Amen. Uh, so do something for me. Uh, 
I don't have notes, but I'm going to make you do stuff. Uh, I mean, I don't have these notes. I'm going to make you do stuff. Uh, put your hands like this. Make a triangle with your hands. All right, you're going to use both eyes. Um, just find something in the room that you can focus on with both eyes and put it in the center of uh, your little triangle thing there. All right, I'm going to use the TV screen in the back because that's what I'm looking at. Uh, now I want you to close one eye. All right, get a good look there. Now switch eyes. Did things seem to move? Now, now here's now, now you can keep looking. Um, look to just the, the goal here is I want you to find out where which one does it move less. Does that make sense? Now, now my wife said it moved the same for hers, so I don't know if this is going to work for all of you, uh, but. Whichever one it moved less in is your dominant eye. Um, I would have known that, known to do that or know anything about that, but apparently uh, that's a good, helpful trick uh, if you're going to shoot stuff um, to know what eye you should use to aim, right? Because hopefully you want to actually hit the target. And so (laughs) um, you want to use the eye that is going to line up for real. Um, now here's, here's why I had you do this. Uh, the first thing I realized, or one of the most important at least, was that I was trying to aim with the wrong eye. I was, at my perspective, I was looking at the gospel, right? The gospel was in the middle Of my triangle. But I was aiming with the wrong eye. You might even say that was my dominant eye. Which as a follower of Jesus. That was not right. Um, So what. what, If if you think about the two eyes. The the eye that actually aims well. And the eye that doesn't. uh, What are those two eyes? What do I mean by that? I was putting my trust that there was two different perspectives on the gospel uh, in way I'm aiming at the gospel that uh, are different. One, and this is uh, if my uh, the f- my former boss and founder of his house hears, it's it's a I tip my hat to you. Uh, the first one is the half to gospel. And the second one is the get-to gospel. Uh, The has-to gospel could also be called the gospel of duty. Um, Rightly so, if you're a child and immature and think that's funny. Um, it, It uses manipulation and guilt to motivate. Well, Christ died for you. Look at what God has done for you. You better blank. You better share the gospel. You better go meet people. Better go serve. Better go give. Better go give. Better go do this or that because you owe it to God, right? Um, it's a Christianity that looks like what you do. Did you go to church this week? Did you pray? I can't tell you how many people 
uh, students, or people for that matter, um, that I talk to and I ask how the relationship with God is doing, and the first thing they answer is, well, I haven't been reading my Bible as much as I should. I haven't been praying as much as I should. I asked you how your relationship's doing, not what you've been doing. It focuses, like I said, on duty, on obligation. Uh, the, the, you know, it's, a, it's a focus on, mor- on morals and traditions, on structure. Um, those are all religion, by the way, not Christianity. Uh, it opens the door for bitterness and legalism, for blame. It leads uh, to weariness, if not burnout. And it leaves you extremely, extremely vulnerable. To the enemy. So that's the have to gospel. <laughs> then there is the get to gospel. You might call this the gospel of joy. This is the gospel that needs no other motivation than the gospel. You know, I struggled to, to match up the things I said with the first one and the thing the second, but it just it's really hard for me to, to comprehend because first of all, I'm learning this. I'm not uh, have not arrived. But our understanding of the gospel, of what it means, is what motivates us. And when we when we focus, when we aim with the get to or the joy, the gospel of joy, it looks like hunger and energy and excitement. It focuses on our security because of the gospel. And on our trust in and surrender to him. And it opens the door for joy and for love. Um, It's a a gospel that doesn't require things of you, but invites you to something. And Peter, in, in 2 Peter 1, actually says... Um, you won't ever fall. <laughs> it, it leaves you virtually unassailable. Well, see, this gospel of joy thing, uh, this, this realization that I was looking at the gospel with the wrong eye, uh, made me realize also running on the wrong fuel. I was running on my own ability, on my own intellect, rather than on the joy. All right, so we, okay, let's take a break for a second. What's joy? We talk about it, we sing about it, we read about it in the, in the scriptures. What is it? Um, again, remember how I said there's not notes up there, but I'll make you do stuff. Take like two minutes and like talk to somebody. Go. <laughs> talk. What is joy? Just, just converse with one or two other people. What is joy? This is actually my, fa- my students' favorite part of my messages.
All right, wrap up your thought. Hopefully everyone got to share. I don't know about you, if that was a confusing conversation or not. But you know, the scripture has some really interesting things that it just throws the word joy into, right? You know, uh, how can we count it all joy when we face trials of all kinds? How could Jesus endure the cross because of the joy set before him? Or, or songs, right? Um, how do I have the joy, joy, joy down in my heart? How do I trade my sorrow and my pain and my weakness for the joy of the Lord? What? And why is the gospel, the good news, supposed to bring great joy to all the people? Um, if there was one, <laughs> they asked me about the, the scripture, main scripture verse, and I, I'm covering so much territory, I didn't know what to answer. Uh, but if there was one passage that, that could be as concise as possible, and, and it's hard because it's written all over the pages of scripture, um, it would be in John chapter 15, and really that whole area, uh, uh, Jesus is approaching his death, <laughs> approaching his arrest and death, his, his, his reason for coming. And uh, he, he just talks to his followers and he prays. And in, in 15, uh, specifically verse 11, he says, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Let me read that one more time. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Some translations might say complete um, or other similar things. Um, What things was Jesus speaking well, you can look at uh, chapter 15 in, in, the, in, in the context. I'll uh, abbreviate it for us right now. Uh, God says a, a number of, or Jesus says a number of things. He says, I love you. God loves you. Abide in me. Stay with me. Make your home with me. And I'll take care of everything else. And he talks a whole lot about this idea of oneness, of being you and me and I and God, and it gets kind of confusing. But you know what it really says? I want to be with you. I am with you. You know, it's not, the whole abiding, it's to stay with me, is a, is a, is a response like, I'm with you, so stay. <laughs> I'm here, so stay.
we often sing and talk about how God is enough for us, right? Have you ever considered that you're enough for God? That God actually might, you might not need to do anything. He would just want to hang out with you just because you're you. We see Jesus doing that all the time when he walked this earth, right? If you consider that God actually wants to be with you, that, that Jesus' ultimate purpose in coming and dying wasn't actually to forgive us of our sins. That was important. Really important. But the ultimate purpose is that so we'd be with him. And that he could be with us. Have you ever considered that God delights in you and is glad? Not, not, not just wants to be with you, is actually glad to be with you. Well, joy, come to find out, and, and we know this, we don't think about it this way, is the result of trusting in that fact. You know, our, our youngest, Ethan, I'm off my notes now, FYI. Uh, my youngest son, Ethan, just learned to, like, intentionally smile, right? He's six weeks old. He, he could smile when he was, you know, about to poop or go to sleep or something like that, but it wasn't on purpose. Uh, but, like, there are times now where you look and you smile at him and he smiles back at you. And if you're a parent, that's a really cool thing. He is ecstatic that you're with him. And he's ecstatic to be with you. And that's joy. Uh, now the difference is that in one, let's see, Ben's three, Ella's six, uh, some of you have teenagers or, or older. Uh, that doesn't always stay the same, <laughs> that they're glad to be with you. Uh, but with God, it does. No matter what, he wants to be with you. He's glad to be with you. You see, joy is the relational experience of God being glad to be with you. It is the calm delight that results from realizing that we have all we need because of that. So I can face trials of all kinds because what are they going to take away from me? I have everything. Um, J Jesus, the joy set before him was, I get to be with these people that I'm dying for forever. So what I do you see the gospel with? Is it something that makes you feel guilty because you, you're not trying, you're not living up to something because it feels like you need to do something? You need to, um, I don't know, earn it, I guess. Oh, I said the dangerous words, right? Do we live a functional, functional atheism where we sing about God's grace on Sunday and live like it, like 
it's all up to us on Monday. Or maybe the worst thing, we live like it's all up to us even on Sunday. We just speak different words. Is your joy your fuel for life? Or is it something else? Have you been trusting the gospel of duty? The have-to gospel? Or have you been surrendered? Because that's really what faith is. It, you know, I, I, I'm coming more and more to realize that, that faith and trust has, has, noth- has nothing to do with um, doing stuff, per se, to, to taking control. That, that's what I keep doing, right? I keep taking control. I get marching orders from God, and then I go, do it, go on my merry way to do it. But God wants to be with us. He wants to walk with us. So, if, so surrender is what trust is. And then my question is, is are you, have you surrendered to the gospel of joy? You see, in that tower I learned how to trust in a man-made glass. But if you pound a few nails in that glass, you know what happens? It shatters irreparably forever. And yet I make the gospel, I use the eye of the God, I use the, my eye of a have-to gospel to try to somehow earn my salvation. Because that's really what it ends up being, if I'm being blunt. But if you pound a few nails in Jesus, you know what happens? He raises from the dead. Um, on your contact card, I'm going to read one last scripture just to think about this. It's, uh, uh, you, you know, he, uh, Eric walked through it. But there's that one on semi-info about there's that blank there. Or down at the bottom, there's comments, prayer requests. Um, feel free if you want help, if you want someone to walk with you. Uh, in wrestling through this this idea of a have to gospel versus a a gospel of joy in trusting that actually God wants to be with you, um, put something down there so that Eric knows so that the leaders know and they can do that um, and I hope and I pray and that 's why i 'm going to pray in a minute that that we actually Christianity is so much more than a bunch of stuff that we put in our heads. It's about, an, it's about a relationship. It's about an experience um, of someone that wants to be with us. Uh, just one chapter later in John, uh, Jesus re-again um, confirms to his disciples that he's, he's on his way out. And they get all up in a tizzy. And so he says these words, I truly, truly, in verse 20 of chapter 16, truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain. Way more pain than I can fathom. Because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of 
the joy that a child has been born into the world. Uh, Therefore, you too have grief now. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one, no one will take your joy away from you. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Dear God, would that be true of us this morning? That no one would take our joy away from us. God, so many of us have been followers of you for a long time. And honestly, I don't know how they managed it. Because we live in a hard world. We live in a world, uh, and even in in a, in a Christendom mentality that looks at the gospel as a bunch of have-tos. And God, it, it's tiring to feel like we have to hold it all up ourselves. But God, you are glad to be with us. You long for us to be with you. And... I don't know that many of us have experienced that fully. That trust that fully. And God, I just pray that you would help us to. That you would give us joy. You would help us to see joy. Help us to experience the joy of being with you and of you being and wanting and glad to be with us. And that, God, that that would never be taken away again. Uh, Lord, thank you that you are a God uh, who wants to be with us and did everything to make that happen.